we've got a Thursday get-together here on Birds 365. You've got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Joe McDonald, here to hang with you for the next two hours. And this, we've started with an upset. Neither John McMullen nor I have on a black shirt. It's almost a foregone conclusion. One of the two of us is going to have a yeah. black shirt on, most often McMullen. Uh, but I throw black on every once in a while. We're both going with shades of gray. Is that going to uh, portend what's going to be talked about here on the show today, Johnny Mac? It's possible. It's pretty gray out. I I I go gray. Case this is as light as I can go, though, with uh, you know with lighting issues. So that's why I have to go dark. Otherwise, yeah, it's, it gets all. It's uh, is it actual lighting issues or is it? Two pale white guys. Well, that, that yeah, that part helps. But no, I have no problem. I'm not gonna, you know, I'll wear the white t-shirt if I could wear the white t-shirt. Uh, not you know, I might, I might, uh, yeah, I might camouflage myself, but it doesn't bother me. And not happening for either one of us going with the white. Uh, but we will gray our way through today's show. Um, Johnny Mac, here's uh, the thing I want to do in the first segment, which, by the way. Uh, our buddy Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com is going to join us uh, a little later here in hour number one. And then uh, try and reschedule the Clay Harbor appearance, which we missed out. Now that's tomorrow. Clay. Well, that's um, tomorrow? Clay. Uh, the rescheduled Benjamin Solak. Is oh, today. Ben's on that. I knew yeah. the Thursday, Friday was rescheduling at a time. Reske- yeah, it's rescheduling end of the week. Okay, so Ben so today, Clay tomorrow. Ben today, we'll Clay, Clay tomorrow. My bad. Um, so looking forward to talking to both uh, Jeff Kerr and Ben Solak, which means heavy-duty Eagle conversation, which is where I'm going <laughs> first with you, Johnny Mack. Uh, we know the proclivities of the head coach. I just wasn't sure that the general manager and he were on the exact same page. When it comes to deferring, we know that uh, Nick Sirianni ever given a chance We'll defer and say we'll play defense first, which annoys the snot out of me in that there are matchups and weeks and weather conditions and the like that would make you think maybe it's well advised to go in the other direction. And he just flat out never does, probably because of analytics. But the general manager has followed suit for me to this point. He has deferred. The big trade with the New Orleans Saints was a deferral to the future that they're more concerned or at least slanting toward the importance of the 2023 season and the 2024 season rather than the 2022 season. And Jeff Laurie kind of gave us a heads up with this when at the owners meetings, he said they're trying to build for both the present and the future. I think he probably should have as per how he rose his actions to this uh, point. Uh, reversed the order of those two words and said, build for the future while building for the present as well. Not sure they've accomplished both. It's a really tough line to walk. And he's given Howie some pretty difficult marching orders to be able to accomplish both of those things. Is this too big a task for Howie Roseman this year? Well, I I guess that would depend on what you would consider this season a success. Um, You know, they made the playoffs last can I year. An- can, yeah, I was going to say, can I answer yeah, that question? Sure, sure. At least achieving what you did last year, which was I think they could do a that. winning and, record and yeah. making the playoffs. And part of the reason I think they can do that is part of the reason they had a winning record and they made the playoffs last year. They play in the NFC East. 
They have the second easiest schedule, according to the advanced schedule people that we talked about, Warren Sharp amongst, among them. So they have an easy schedule again. Uh, they're probably not going to get the same kind of luck with the backup quarterbacks. A lot of that was COVID-related, and hopefully, although certain parts of the world are not over it and shut down, but hopefully we're over that from an NFL standpoint. Um, but you never know. Um, I don't didn't, think they're going to – Didn't the NFL – was there they a declared formal? it over. Was yeah. there a they have, well, they have, I, they I always say. They declared that COVID was completely yes. done and gone? They declared it over. And and they have more power than the World Health Organization. So <laughs> I think they're probably going to be okay. That's what I'm saying. They're not going to get that COVID luck again. Um, but they do have the easy schedule. They do have the easy division. And we talked about it a lot, at least on paper, and it is what it is here in early April, it looks like the AFC has taken a, a, a big step forward and the NFC has taken a major step back. So other than the three teams at the top, and let's be honest, two of those three teams that are not the Super Bowl champions, we deferred to them because of the quarterbacks. No other reason. A little bit. I mean, there's. I'm not – I don't want to overstate it, but they have great quarterbacks. Um. So it's right to defer to those teams. But after that, it's like a bunch of, all right, they may make a run. They might make a run. And I thought it was interesting, you know, Randy Mueller yesterday, glad we had Randy on. And he he kind of framed the trade as, you know, a little bit new school versus some old school. And maybe Mickey Loomis is looking at it as an opportunity to do some things that, you know, we look at that team and say, well, they're not ready. I, I always joke, we're not ready. We're not ready. Um, to us, they, we say the Saints don't look ready in the post-Sean Payton era, never mind the post-Drew uh, Brees era. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of that old school, we're going to do the best we can for this season versus the always kicking the can down the road and, Look, I say it all the time. In some ways, I think the Sixers broke Philadelphia because it's it's never about today, Jody. It's never about today. And I'm I'm stunned because I asked Jimmy Kamsky, I asked a lot of people, you know, everybody's like, we're not ready. We're not, we're not ready. And by we, I'm you know, I don't consider myself part of the Eagles, but you get my point. Yeah. Um, the Eagles seem to think they're not ready. Um, everybody seems to think the Eagles are not ready. Um, and you know, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if you don't think you're ready. So they're kicking the can down the road. That's the one negative part of this. Not a lot of negatives, but that, that part of it is a little bit of negative when you talk about that trade. And let me add to the analysis of what the NFC is right now. Uh, you mentioned two of the three teams that right now seem to be atop the NFC in, in people's perceptions uh, that two of them are there because of the guys that play quarterback for them, a.k.a. the Green Bay Packers and uh, Brett, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Tampa Bay Bucks with the returning uh, Tom Brady. While I certainly agree with you on both the situations and cases that when you've got that kind of quarterback, it just can't be dismissed. But are the Packers better than they were at the no. end of last season? No. Without Devontae Adams? No. So while they may be ahead of the Eagles and surely were when the season ended, 
couldn't the Eagles have said, let's go out and be aggressive and try and catch the Green Bay Packers sans Devontae Adams? They could have. They haven't done it yet. Um, I just want to give you a quick quote here from uh, down in Tampa land. We know that uh, Bruce Arians has decided to move into a front office position. I'm well on record as saying, I don't think Todd Bowles is a good head coach. I walked, watched him work uh, hands-on with the Jets, and he didn't do anything to wow me. Now, maybe he'll be better sit- situated and uh, certainly got a better roster down there at Tampa, but is he going to lift the Bucks, or is there a possibility for a uh, step back with, in Tampa because of him? Uh, I think that is the case. So if you ask me, I don't think the Bucks are better. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Are the Eagles missing <clears throat> out on an opportunity to catch teams that, yes, at the end of last year were better than the Eagles. We've got uh, evidence of that because of the game between the Bucs and the Eagles. And, yeah, I know Rodgers got picked off, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. And they had the best record during the regular season. Are the Eagles missing an opportunity? Because some of those teams that we've already got penciled in ahead of them might not be as good as they were. Look, I, I'm on record. I think they are missing out on an opportunity i say it all the time you know if you're going to sit here and certain fans have told me over the years i knew they were going to be a good team in 2017 i say no you didn't no you didn't because none of us did um you know about there was the carolina game where i started to say wow this team's this team's pretty good um nobody knew it nobody knew it was coming um in a similar situation here. here, here's how I'll phrase it. If you put Aaron Rodgers on this team and just change rosters with the quarterback, who do you think's better? Philadelphia so, or, Philadelphia or Green Bay? Close. Even with their uh, to-be-determined wide receiver room, you yeah. would certainly rank the Eagles ahead of the Packers. Same thing with Tom Brady and Tampa. If you switch the rosters but put Tom Brady on, t- this is a better team. I, I, I don't get this mentality of we don't have this, we don't have that, we don't have this. Every team in the NFL, even the really good teams in the AFC, have holes that they need to fill, and and they have to – you can't have a superstar at every position. Um, I don't get – I don't get this mentality, Jody. I don't I don't get it. Now, it's hard to get the superstar quarterback. We know that the Eagles have been trying to do it with Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Now they're trying to kick the can down the road again. So I'm not saying that part of the equation is easy. That part of the equation is really, really difficult. But we've seen teams – look, the number one seed in the mighty AFC last year was Tennessee. They didn't finish the job, obviously. But they got to that point with Ryan Tannehill in a, in a good running game and, and some smart defense and all the other stuff. You know, I always talk about the path. You want to make the path as large as possible. You want to make the margin of error as large as possible. Doesn't mean you can't win with the margin of error lower, lesser. And I think, you know, if that was a really close game, Tennessee-Cincinnati, who knows if they win that game? Who knows? It's a different narrative. Um, but they were a good team. They were they were a good team. A number one seed in the NFL in, in either conference means you're you're a pretty good team in that particular year. Um, so there are other avenues to win 
than not having the superstar quarterback. It's not as easy. I'll, I'll brantfully admit that. But, yeah, I'm surprised the Eagles have taken this, oh, we're building and this is another woe is me year. I'm a little surprised by that, to be honest. A couple of things. Uh, man, you and I have never talked about, we have very little and not specific enough about the uh, 2017 season leading to the Eagles Super Bowl championship. Damn, I was on the exact same page as you. I remember that game against Carolina. And that was the game where I said, wow, they're better than I thought. Maybe they can yeah. do something in the postseason yeah. this year. That uh, that was a Thursday night game. Yeah. And uh, my wife asked me early in the day, listen, you want to go out and grab some dinner on Thursday night? We got a place over here in Jersey we like to go to that plays Quizzo on Thursday night. And we go once a month somewhere thereabouts just to go and have some fun. So my daughter came home from Philly and we went out that night. Usually my first response is, oh, honey, Eagles game. I got to watch. I got to take notes. I got to pay attention. I'm going to be down the man cave. No, we're not going out for Thursday dinner. I said, yeah, what the hell? Let's go out because the baseball playoffs were on. I said, I watch two games at once. I don't have to deal with the remote control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go out. And I was very impressed by the Eagles that night, just like you and said, wow, maybe they're better than I thought they were going to be. So that's funny that you and I saw it exactly the same five years ago. Uh, let me give you this Bruce Arians quote. Man, can he stir it up? Did you see this is what he said today? I did not. You did not. Um, I guess he was on the record with someone. I saw it on NFL.com talking <clears> about uh, where the Bucks are at, even though he's no longer going to be the coach. He was uh, making a reference about Byron Lepwich. He said, I get credit and Brady gets, by the way, way too much credit Whoa. for what Byron Lepwich does. Whoa. Whoa. So, so for himself, he admits... He got credit, but he had to add the way too much to describe Tom Brady's wow. involvement in the Buck offense over the last couple of years. He knows how to poke the hornet's nest, doesn't he? Maybe he does. Brady told him they're going out golfing, and he's been bagging him for the last week since Arians walked away. He's, I'll teach him. I'll show him. By uh, the way, Bruce Arians scheduled today on the Dan Cilio, the National Football Is show, he coming out with Dan? Yeah, five thirty. So, Andrew, well, you got to make him say that again. Did you really say way too much? Yeah. Brady gets way too much credit for anything. Xander, you got to tweak uh, Dan to ask that question, and hopefully, we'll get the answer. Yeah, <laughs> but Bruce is, you know, you know, you you know, Bruce. You've seen him enough over the years. He's he's a straight shooter, so he's going to tell you what's on his mind. Um. But yeah, I, I, I like you know. I always joke that you know Adam Gase should still be sending residual checks to Pete Manning, and you know, right now uh, Matt Lafleur is you know everything because he's won thirteen, he's won more coach, he's won more games in the first three seasons than any coach in NFL history. Think about you know the Hall of Famers and you know send the residuals to Aaron Rodgers. Not that he needs them um, with his contract, but. Yeah, I mean, look, I forget who said it, but it, it's it, it's a great quote, and I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, and and I apologize for uh, forgetting who said it, but he said, "Show me a good coach, and I'll show you good players." Yeah, it's pretty That's... much pretty much the extent of it. 
that that pretty much covers it. And Bruce Arian had good players, and he was a good coach. And that's how Tampa was able to walk away with a uh, Super Bowl championship the uh, <laughs> year before this past one. Uh, but he does know how to pimp a guy if need be. And now he doesn't even have to worry about the repercussions. Yeah, no yeah it's easy. It's easy at that point, Jody. That's a good spot that Cilio's got going this afternoon if he's got yeah. him on, because you have no idea what Arians is going to say, because he really doesn't need a filter at this point. He can say anything he wants to and not have to worry about annoying anybody. But uh, he's, he's, I think he's still a loyal Tampa Bay guy, so he won't do it on purpose. But if you ask him enough questions, he might do it by accident. Yeah, sometimes the sometimes the real just comes out, Jody. It just comes out. And and I do like his real a lot. All right, uh, one quick Eagles visitation uh, question before we get our buddy Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com <clears throat> up here. Eagles supposedly had a visit yesterday from Matt Corral, quarterback of Ole Miss, who's a player I like. I would have him ranked as a number two quarterback in this draft and not that far off Kenny Pickett. I'd slot Malik Willis in no higher than third, but that's my own personal quarterback ranking. Um, the Eagles have, we know the two picks they have, and they've made every indication that Jalen Hurts is going to be their guy this year. Are they actually thinking the Corral could fall all the way down to 51? Are they trying to play a we-may-have-interest game so that Howie can potentially trade back again? We're already kind well, of – Well, he could trade back again. I've, I've mentioned that to be in the 30, you know, 31, 32 range, but 32 might be looking for a quarterback anyway, so they, they might not want to trade out, uh, and that would be Detroit – um, so, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody and it, it, it probably upset people, but for all the hits, this quarterback class takes, and it takes some pretty significant hits. Um, and it's somebody that would know the Eagles basically great people at this time. Their board's not finished yet they, they're still doing the top 30 visits but they have a database and they basically you know grade their players the way they grade their players it's not like first round second round it's you know it's really percentile type things is how they do it but um and he told me they have five quarterbacks uh rated above where Jalen Hurts was when they took him 53rd overall in uh 2020 which is really not that big of a surprise if you consider it because you know from what i was told pickett is their is their number one quarterback and they pretty much have him as a mid-round guy um you know that's not how they describe mid it but first you mean yes mid first mid first uh and again that's not how they rate players but pretty much that's where it falls on their spectrum and they have a bunch of guys who kind of bridged the first and second round. And I think Matt's probably in that category. Uh, Sam Howell, I know, is in that category. So the two I know are, are Kenny and, and, and Sam. Now, I assume Malik Willis is in the category. If you think five quarterbacks, well, there's only five. So you have to think it's Malik Willis, it's Matt Corral, and it's Desmond Ritter, who I think NFL people like a little bit better than maybe a lot of uh, others. Um, um, but 
I was also told the Eagles, you know, it, there's been evolution of Jalen Hurts. You know, people, I always say, too many people think you draft a player and that's it, and you either get a good player or you get a bad player. No, Jalen Hurts is very evolved. They don't see a quarterback that, that would be as good as Jalen Hurts is now, right now. So you're you're sort of going back to square one and trying to redevelop the, a younger player. And they would rather wait for the home run, so to speak. And that would be the 2023 draft, or at least in theory. Um, and that's kind of the thinking. Now, we'll see if that's how it shakes out. But that's kind of what I've been told. But they do, you know, if somebody does, Paul, Jody, they're bringing in Kayvon Thibodeau and, and Ahmad Gardner. I mean, they're not getting them at 15. So, you know, but there is some whispers that Thibodeau might slip a little bit and if he starts going to nine or ten do you start thinking about um jumping up and getting them they might and that's why they do this kind of thing like Gardner the Jets you're you're if the Jets pass on Gardner at four you can start falling a little bit to the bottom uh of the top ten and then you start thinking so that's why you do these things and you bring in these types of players even though on paper, looks like you have no chance of getting them. Um, so, you know, and and generally top 30 visits are about players you want more information on for whatever reason. You don't feel, feel you've gotten everything you need on those particular players. So it could just be that. Um, but their history, I think last year they drafted three guys that they brought in for a top 30 visit. So um, it, it definitely means something. I just don't understand why they would bring a quarterback in, especially a quarterback named, not named Sam Howell, which you seem to think for your information, the Eagles are very intrigued with why Sam Howell is not coming in. And Matt Corral is, is I, I just. Well, they find might it. have all the information they need or want or, or think they need uh, on Sam Howell. Okay. Um, they may, they may not. He may be coming in. They have 30 visits. I think right. about nine or 10 have been reported. So there's still a bunch more. He might be in that category. But, you know, again, generally when you bring in guys for time, and sometimes you like a guy so much. And by the way, I'm not trying to say this about Sam Howell because I don't think they're drafting Sam Howell any longer. But sometimes you like a guy so much. You don't want to bring him in for the reason that you don't want to put up any antennae around the rest of the league that, oh, they might be looking at so-and-so at 15 and they got him in on a top 30 visit. And you just say, you know, let's pretend we have no interest and, and hope that particular player falls to you. So there's a lot of strategy involved. There's a lot of, um, to be honest, there's a lot of, uh, um, misinformation parent, parent, paranoia I guess is what I'm trying to say um, and yeah there's a ton of misinformation but you know just because they bring in one player to position don't bring in another player doesn't necessarily mean what you think it could mean Okay, but you did just say you don't think now they're drafting. Sam I don't Howell. think they're drafting a quarterback. No. A quarterback period doesn't no. matter how. Well, they might draft a third day quarterback. As right. A, to yeah. I mean, one of the top five. I don't. 
I don't think they're drafting a quarterback now. I think that's what that trade was about. That was a clear signal that, okay, we're going to kick the can down the road and wait for Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Phil Jerkovich and anybody else who jumps up uh, next year. Uh, I do agree with you there. I'm just trying, uh, just trying to figure it out as per the fact that you have a finite number of visits. If you can bring as many people in as you want and you can get extra information for down the road when they become free agents or trade, well, then that would make a ton of sense. But I would think since it is a finite number of only 30 that you would like to get guys in that you really think you have a chance to get your hands on in the draft. Well, coming you up want to play that up. But, and, and, you know, if, if he did draft, if he did last to 51, well, then, yeah, I think they might. Uh, draft him, but I don't think he's dra- less than the 51. So you, there's all that stuff too. And that's why I brought up Thibodeau and Gardner because they're bringing them in. And in theory, they don't have a chance to get either of those players, but you still yeah. want to do certain, um, you know, certain due diligence in case. And it's happened in the past um, where players have, have fallen for different reasons and you want to be ready. You don't want to be in the Andre Dillard situation where he fell and the Eagles didn't do their due diligence. And they said, Hey, that's a really good player. Let's go up and trade for him. So it can work both ways. Jerry. By the way, is Andre Dillard still on the Eagles or have they traded him yet? Still on the Eagles. Still on Keep the an Eagles. eye on draft weekend. He might okay. go day three. That's that's when he could be moved. All right, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald. We are your birds, three sixty-five guys. We got one of our homies next. You see him filling in for JM when he's out of uh, his big chair. You read him all the time on CBSSports.com. NFL writer Jeff Kerr joins us next here on Birds Three Sixty Five. <clears throat> Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We have another follically challenged partner <laughs> joining the fray. Uh, our buddy from CBSSports.com, Jeff Kerr, jumps aboard with us here on uh, Birds 365. Three weeks to the NFL draft. Jeff Kerr, how many mocks have you done so far? How many more mocks do you have to get in before? The actual draft starts to take place. I hate mock drafts, so I only do one and I'm required. Yeah, I'm with you, Jeff. I wish I – well, I only do one real one, full first round. I only do one. I bragged one stand. year because I got like 10 picks right, and I just said to myself, hey, you know, this is probably the best I can ever do because I only do one. I don't yeah. do mock trades. I, I love when people try to play GM with these – Oh, players. my God. It's such a waste of time. <laughs> well, I'm, I've, I've had this argument with so many editors over the years. I'm like, you know, they want my – and because they're popular, let's be honest, and they, they want mock drafts before free agency. And I'm like, it's just so dumb. It's such an exercise of futility after the season and but I mean, I guess, and Jimmy Kemsky brought this up yesterday, which is a good point, and how he does his mock drafts. He never repeats the same player for the Eagles only mocks. So, and he's just trying to teach people about the actual players that might be in play. So maybe it's helpful from that standpoint. But for people that take them seriously, you should not take them seriously. What did Randy Mueller call him yesterday? <laughs> give me, yeah, give but, me, but, but, I don't care what he called him. He said, Give them all to me while yeah. they're doing their draft yeah. prep. I he want to did. hear from him. Give me Jeff Kerr. Put his on the top of the yeah. pile. Where's Jeff Kerr's mark? Didn't he call him trash or garbage, though? <laughs> you guys see there's a website where they basically take everybody's mock drafts, their final version, yeah. and yeah. then they score them? I love yeah. that. that. That's yeah. my favorite thing to read at, at the end of the draft. Well, the last ones, you know, the last ones are relevant, especially when you get uh, – yeah, I always like to look at Peter King's because Peter knows so many people around the league. Um, they tend to uh, – uh, Rick Goslin, you know, back in the day, people in the NFL used to want to get his mock drafts because he knew so many people uh, around the league. Um, and, you know, those are valuable. But, you know, the early mock drafts, you know, they're – their circular file material as soon yeah, as they get and and the best be- part the best part is the poor people sorry jetty the poor people that did their mock drafts right before the eagles and saints made their trade they had the shelf life of about 12 minutes so, so i did an eagles only mock draft. i only do one of them too and i had 15 16 19 i'm like boy i really like this draft. Yeah, like, yeah. and then five hours later the eagles make a trade yeah, yeah. that that's awesome now you gotta be careful with peter king because i'm you know how big a fan of peter king i am 
everyone knows that Peter King is a guy that people are going to look to to see who he's mocking because he's that well-connected. I think Peter has over the years been a, a guy who's gotten misinformation. That oh, sure. NFL Everybody team does. want to feed yeah. Peter King what they're going to be doing to specifically hide what they're actually going to be yeah. doing because Peter King is as well respected as he is. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying take it as gospel, but he's one I just like to look at before the draft. Speaking of players that I think we're getting misinformation on, there's no way Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't go past <laughs> two, right? Like, yeah, the Eagles. Uh, no, I think he might. I think Trayvon Walker. Is going one or two. I really do. And I I'm proud of that one. I'm proud of that one because my first Eagles only mock draft, I had him taking Trayvon Walker at 15. I said he's a perfect fit for what Jonathan Gannon wants to do. And people just killed me. He can't go 15. He's the third best player, blah, blah, blah. And I said, wait, wait. NFL people like him more than you do. And ooh, they, I, I didn't know how much they liked him. I mean, he's going to go off the board quick. And if he goes one or two, I think Hutchinson goes the other spot. And I'm, so I, I do think he's going to drop a little bit, but I don't think it's out of the top 10. By any I still, I'm still a big fan of Evan Neal. I, I just don't see how Doug Peterson could pass on a guy who could you could play a guard right away and then you can move him outside the tackle and, and especially how they want to protect Trevor Lawrence. But again, you're right. It's hard to pass on a Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Aiden Hutchinson. But for an offensive lineman, but if you can get a guy that's going to be there for the next decade, that's tough to pass up. On. Yeah. Rick Saratella was on with us earlier in the week and he mentioned, you know, there is a math problem. So I and and I say that every year, you know, you talk about there's 50 first round picks when you listen to certain guys. And this guy's a first rounder. This because they're giving out first round status like they're Oprah at a television taping. And then you start doing the math and you start going, well, yeah, well, what if you know? So there are so many offensive tackles. So you start thinking about the Eagles at 15. If if the two quarterbacks get pushed up the board a little bit. And I don't think that's, you know, so we're talking about Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis or vice versa. You know, so Carolina jumps, if, if, you know, Washington, whomever jumps at a quarterback, the Eagles are going to get a good player at 15. Yeah, it, I, just if you do the math. I I forget who wrote it for CBS Sports. I, I want to give credit to my buddy Josh Edwards here, but I'm not – exactly sure who wrote it yet it's going to be coming out this week the saints gave up a lot of draft capital to lose in the first round of the playoffs if they get there <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself wow he's absolutely right and i kind of read like the early draft and it's did you do all this to get a quarterback yeah alone probably the third best quarterback do you like desmond ritter or matt corral that much i i, I mock corral to him after the trade but I don't know. It's just taking them. To yeah, top. Randy. Randy was on with us yesterday, and he's still very close with Mickey Loomis. He he said he thinks there's another shoe that's going to drop. Uh, so he thinks there's going to be another move. And maybe you remember when the Eagles got Carson Wentz, they had to move up twice. Um, so you know maybe this is the first part of their move up twice to get the quarterback they want, and who knows that what that might be. But I will say if they just traded up to get 
a better player, uh, a positional player, where they are. Uh, they just could have got it at 18. And yeah. Hey, but yeah, yeah, but they get two players because they had a first round yeah, draft pick. They get two. And John, I actually believe that's what they did. I mm. think they like the strength of this draft, and they said, uh, we we can be a playoff team. They looked at what you and I looked at it in the first out first couple minutes of the show. Green Bay isn't Green Bay without Devontae Adams. Tampa might not be Tampa without Bruce Arians. All right. The Rams look like the defending champions they are, but why can't we jump into that group and take a puncher's chance? If we get another player that we can plug and play in our starting lineup, relatively inexpensive on a rookie deal, we've got cap issues and we need these type of players. We can't get him. We can't trade for a Tyreek Hill because there's no way we're getting that, that cap work done. That's what I think they did. I think they are, which I kind of question the Eagles on. I think they're saying, yeah, we want to take a chance in 2022. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Mr. Sneed out there in L.A., the draft I, picks. I let's, do, let, let's take a puncher's chance this year. I got to do a little bit of research on this, but I, I kind of like the way you're thinking here, Jody, because I think they're the first team since the 91 Eagles. I'm not even sure that the 91 Eagles started four quarterbacks, but I think they're the first team since the 91 Eagles to start four quarterbacks in a season and have a winning record. If the 91 Eagles did it, if not, then they're the only team. Cause I don't remember any other team, at least in my lifetime, starting four quarterbacks and, having a nine and eight record like they did. And they were five and two and they had Jameis Winston and then got hurt. And that was pretty much the end. They, they weren't winning with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill. And uh, I forget who else started. Ian Book. Ian Book. That's right. Ian Book started a game, but it's, I mean, they're not that far off. I know Marcus Williams is a big loss. Ron Armstead's a big loss, but they, yeah, well, that's what I was saying. You know, and they're in salary cap, you know, issues obviously, but, if you're thinking that way, you better figure out a way how to get some voidable years and restructure contracts and get players like, especially Armstead. You can't give up a, that guy's a top five left tackle. I yeah. mean, you could argue top two at times. Um, I I don't know how you let a player like that leave and say, oh, let's try to win. I mean, that to me would, it would signal, okay, I got to do everything possible to get this guy back and then, all right, let's build, let's try to win. Cause Jody's right. And I've talked about this. I don't get this from an Eagles perspective. So I'll ask you, Jeff. Um, and I always call it the, we're not ready crowd. Are they ever going to be ready? Were they ready in 2017? I, I, or, I, we're not ready. We're not ready. When, when is ready? Can somebody tell me what that looks like? Cause I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, the Phillies haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, and they decided they were ready. So <laughs> it's it's a different sport, obviously. But, yeah, football, what what's all in? What's what's ready? The Chiefs are always ready. The Bills are always ready. The Rams are always ready. The Seahawks are – I mean, they're, they're definitely in the we're not ready crowd. But, yeah, you're right. It's When do you say, hey, we're going to uh, – what's the Teddy Roosevelt quote? Um, swing a big stick or whatever it is. It's, I forget the exact quote, but you know, wh when are we going to go all in? When are we going to make these types of moves? And the thing is, I, you're right, John, who, who knows? Who knows? It's, I feel like you should be ready when you're, you're about to pay your young quarterback, your young franchise quarterback and say, we're going to get this guy all the weapons he needs. And really a team that should be doing this every year is the Dallas Cowboys. And they just don't do it. All right, J.K., I need your opinion on this. We may have asked you this a month ago. 
But a month ago, the Eagles had three first-round draft picks. Now they only have two because they did the deal with the Saints. <clears throat> Let's say that of the five defensive ends in this year's draft that are thought to be uh, certainly first-round talents and maybe top half of the first-round talents, let's say four off the board. And we just talked about the guys who could go right at the very top. Shoot, defensive ends could actually go one, two, three. Not not completely out of the question that you could go DN, DN, DN with the first three picks. And, and let's say another one goes. But one of them is left, like a Carlotta. So let's say he falls down to number 15. But the Eagles also need a starting cornerback, of course, from Darius Slate. And the Eagles also need a safety to pair with Anthony Harris in the defensive backfield. And, oh, by the way, as there has been this major move, expensive moves at wide receiver around the National Football League, the Eagles right now are planning on sending Quez Watkins out there as their wide receiver, too. So they've got holes to fill. If they don't come away with a defensive end, if they decide to pass on a guy like Carlopas because they have other holes to fill, you ready to see a bunch of Derek Barnett again this year, JK? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll say that. Get uh, ready for it. Get ready for it. I mean, what if Jameson Williams is on the board there at 15? Do you, do you do it? Because I see a lot of Tyree killing him, and it's scary because that, that guy knows how to go. saw a lot of Tyree Kill and Jalen Rager. Oh. That yeah. Let's not go th- down that rabbit hole. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's – but I'm just saying, I I watched enough Jameson Williams State where this guy just gets open all the time, and once he gets the ball in his hands, it's he's gone. And I, I love mean, Jameson Williams. By yeah, the yeah, way, yeah. I'm a, you pair I'm him a, with Devonta Smith. You pair him with Dallas Goddard. I don't care if Jalen Hurts can't hit the ocean with the football. He's going to find him, and it's going to help Jalen Hurts. And I think whether it's Jalen Hurts or the quarterback in 2023, Jameson Williams is going to be a high value player for the Eagles for a long time. They were able to get him, but yeah, I, I really don't know how you pass on a guy like Kerfoffman Cedar because he can get to the quarterback and the Eagles do prioritize the offensive and defensive line. It's I'm still on the Devin Lloyd binge. I, I really want them to get Devin Lloyd with one of those picks, but that might be for punishment. But yeah. Plutton for punishment. You are with yeah, the line. Oh yeah. They don't draft linebackers in the first not, I don't yeah. know why I asked this, but. You're not the only. You're not the only one. You know what makes drafting so hard? Uh, uh, I'll give you guys an example. Rick Rick Saratella was on this week, and we have tremendous respect for Rick NFL Draft Bible. And he mentioned Chris Olave, and he compared Chris Olave to Kendarius Tony. And right then, the minute he said that, my mind shut off on Chris Olave. Because I said, not that Kadarius Tony can't be a good player. He, he could turn into a good player. But that's that type of manufactured touch guy we're talking about with, with Jalen Rager. And he's going to stretch the field vertically and horizontally. I have never seen the Eagles take advantage of that type of player. And until I see it, I, I can't believe they can do it. Now, and this is over different regimes. Nick just got here. He really hasn't had the opportunity, unless you want to call Jalen Rager an opportunity. But um, he really hasn't had the opportunity to see, to take advantage of a player like that. Maybe he can, but I just can't imagine the Eagles can do it. So I shut my mind off. 
that's what's so hard to evaluate because there's so many noises. There's so many thoughts coming at you. Um, and when the Eagles talk about taking those, those first round picks and we're talking about positions and edge rusher and defensive tackle wide receiver cornerback, they have enough needs to where they should be able to get good players. Uh, but they can't be, hamstrung by looking for particular positions because then they're going to get in trouble and unfortunately i think they're going to look at certain positions do you agree with that or or disagree look at their needs cornerback safety linebacker uh you could i mean they're deep at defensive end but you could use a wide receiver they definitely have a need for maybe they want to have more offensive line depth you're right john it's it should be the best player available, whoever that is. Um, now, I wouldn't draft the quarterback with the best player available, but he wouldn't be that anyway. So I'm looking at it as you got to look at who's on your board, and then you, when you get to 15, and then you say, okay, which player can A, make the instant impact, and B, who's going to be here, who's going to be part of this franchise for a long time? And that's where you look at, you know, I, I don't know if Andrew Booth's going to be great, but I think he'll be great great with Darius Slay, if that makes a lot of sense. So maybe that's what you do. Maybe you pair him there. If Kyle Hamilton's at 15, I'm running to the podium. He's not going to be at 15, but. I'm yeah, running. you never know with this league, man. Yeah, you exactly. Never know. He's one of those guys where I feel like he should go in the top five, and he, he won't. But, yeah, you've got to look at George Kerfoffis. That's another one. I, I, It's tough to pass on him, but then when you got a guy like Jameson Williams there, do you really want to wait till 18 to get him? Do you, do you really want to do that, or – you know, if Garrett Wilson's up there, I'm I'm running up there. By the way, um, the Chris Olave thing, I used to joke he was the third best wide receiver at the highest state and Jameson Williams was there, and Jameson Williams ever played. So, <laughs> that was always my running joke on Chris Olave. Uh, Garrett Wilson, I think, is going to be stunned this league, but beside the point. But- I think I think both Ohio State guys are going to be as good as advertised. Um, do me a favor. I'm having a forgetful moment. We are talking about the created catches guys. A couple of years ago, I think he was West Virginia. The Cowboys took him in the first round. Austin, why am I forgetting the guy's oh, name? Uh, Tavon Miles Austin? Austin? No, oh, Tavon Austin. Yeah, Tavon. Tavon uh, Austin. Yeah. You can't take a player like that in the first round. I know everyone wants to throw the Debo Samuel, just get him the ball, get it to him in space, comparison. Debo is Debo, and there's not other Debo's. That you're doing a guy an injustice, an injustice when you say, "Oh, he could be the next." No, he can't. Yeah, pick either, Jody. But you and I have talked about this before. I'm with you on Debo, but Debo wasn't Debo until Kyle Shanahan turned him into Debo. Debo didn't carry the ball a lot in college. Um, He he wasn't that Swiss Army life moved all over. That's why he always. I, I laugh when people – we've had this discussion. He's the next Debo Samuel. Well, you getting Kyle Shanahan too? Because right. you got to have that. That's what I was just talking about with the Eagles and the manufactured touch player. Never seen any evidence they could take advantage of that type of player. So why would I want that type Andy of Reed player? Andy Reid couldn't do it, and he tried to make Freddie Mitchell that a couple times. It wow. never worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, Debo Samuel is Debo Samuel. Yes, the talent is spectacular. But people have mentioned Traylon Burks this year. Um, but you got to put him with the coach who can do it and is willing to do it. And 
there aren't many coaches like that. In fact, I think it starts with Kyle and probably ends with Kyle, to be honest, because I don't think Debo Samuel would be Debo Samuel in any other offensive system. And I think that part of it, too many people miss. There might be one coach who can replicate it, Mike McDaniel. He might be the only one. We'll see. Yeah, well, we have we have to see yeah. him this upcoming year. All right, uh, Jeff. I know not only do you follow the Eagles, but and you and you follow the whole league for CBS. You have a specific uh, leaning into the NFC East, aka the NFC least. Certainly was two years ago. Was slightly improved this year. Coming into twenty twenty two, I think as of right now, the entire division has taken a, t- a step backwards. Again, are the Eagles missing out on an opportunity? There's a look at an entire NFC as a conference, and then there's the more narrow focus look at the division. Are the Eagles missing out on an opportunity to actually get to the Cowboys level, maybe surpass the Cowboys, win a division? Because I think the Cowboys have come back to the pack. The Giants have made some executive decisions, but I've seen nothing on their roster that improves them. I think what you think about Carson Wentz running the show down in Washington – are the Eagles missing out on getting better, putting more resources into 2022 and becoming the AFC East champs? This is tough for me because the Eagles didn't do much this free agent season, at least in the first wave. And yet I still think they caught the Cowboys because the Cowboys kind of had self-inflicted wounds and they had to give up good players like Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory left them and, yeah, I mean, Keanu Neal wasn't a major part of their defense last year, but he was a big contributor, and they just couldn't re-sign him. And, you know, lo and behold, he goes to Tampa Bay, and now he's going to play safety again. I know they tried to talk to Bobby Wagner, tried to get him to come here. He didn't really have that much interest in, in there, probably because they wouldn't pay him what he was seeking. So, you know, Dak Prescott, unless they drift the receiver in the draft, which, again, is very possible, his best running back may be Tony Pollard. It may not even be Ezekiel Elliott, who – really didn't have a great game from week six to week 18. And he had a great game week 18 because he was playing backups. So I'm looking at it as Dallas was this team that was leaps and bounds better than the Eagles last year. This year right now, I don't know if they can. I think the Eagles split with them right now, just based on the, the significant talent gap. And I think the Eagles can improve in the draft. I think that's where they're, they're obviously focusing on it. So, did they miss an opportunity to compete with the elite of the NFC? I don't know if they could compete with them, but they definitely put themselves in a position where they potentially could win the NFC East and get one of those top four seeds just by doing minimal stuff right. But uh, then I'll ask you what happened, because that was the Andy Reid sentiment. That was the sentiment of this organization for a very long time. It was, you know, if you're very good over an extended period, and you keep getting your punch, uh, your ticket punch for the dance. One of these years, the stars are going to align and you're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen for Andy until he got to Kansas City, but um, they had a lot of success um, in that range. Ultimately, the stars aligned with Doug Peterson, but um, what? <laughs> You're right. Everything you said. The NFC East is atrocious. If anything, the Giants have gotten worse because they're in full rebuild mode um, with a new coach and a new GM. Uh, The Washington Commanders are an abject disaster off the field, even more than on it. 
Um, and the Cowboys, you, you mentioned all the significant losses uh, from a talent perspective, um, which is none of that is the Eagles' fault. You take advantage of a bad division. That's what they did to make the playoffs last year. That's what they did to make the playoffs in, you know, two of Doug Peterson's years, really. Uh, that's the landscape. So why not take advantage of it? I, I go back to the, oh, we can't do this. We can't do this. If you get in the playoffs and you have the right injury against your opponent, all of a sudden the stars are aligning. I don't, I don't, where did the Eagles become a, I don't want to, again, I don't want to call them the Sixers because they're not tanking, but where, where did they become this organization that, that is constantly thinking about tomorrow and never thinking about today? And they always seem to think about tomorrow. Uh, just look at the trade. Just look at their trade on Monday. It's well, we're looking at 2023 to make that move for a quarterback. If Jalen Hurts doesn't pan out, we want to put ourselves in that position. And I guess maybe they're doing that because they see guys like Russell Wilson and you know elite quarterbacks not want to come here. And maybe they figure, well, we got to build that team. So these star players want to come here. Maybe that's what they're thinking. We want to be. The Rams, because who would want to go to the Rams four or five years ago? I, I would never have guessed Bobby Wagner and Al Robinson and all, all these star players would want to go there. Maybe the Eagles want to build that. Maybe they want to build what happened in 2004 where they were winning all the time. And then you had T.O. saying, I want to come here. I want to play with Donovan Nads, Ron Kerr. So, uh, yeah, I want to come here. I, I want to be part of Jim Johnson's defense. Maybe that's the culture they're trying to build. We're going to be the destination for free agents to go to it. Maybe that's their long-term focus. All right, JK, here's one that I think could shut me up. And I'm been on a little bit of a rant the last couple of days here that the Eagles in attempting to serve two masters this year, both improved for today and improved for tomorrow have done a little bit more of a heavy lean on tomorrow. As John just pointed out, here's a move for today and it's possible. And it's just going to take commitment for them to do that. Why not the honey badger here in Philadelphia? I take him right now. He's it, still it, out there, which means whatever delusions of overpayment he thought he was going to get on the free agent market, we're now months into, and he hasn't gotten it. So uh, we talk about Gannon and the type of safety he'd like to get, and the type of safety he had in Minnesota. Well, certainly the honey badger fills that role better than anybody on the Eagle roster. And it will surely tell you better than anybody who's not named Kyle Hamilton in his upcoming draft. Why not open up the purse strings a little bit and get yourself a honey badger? And that's one of those, if he falls into our price range or if we feel like we can get him, I think they they make a move and go get them. I'm not against that. There are certain players like – I know everybody likes to bring him up, but DK Metcalf, that's a player that I would, I know you got to pay him, but that's a guy I, I feel like even if you're looking at the long-term game, that's a guy you could build your team around. That you know, Tyron Matthew is not old and he's still a productive player. I know he didn't have that great of a year last year at Kansas City, but he's still a really good football player. And he's a guy that I think would significantly benefit and Jonathan Gann's defense. And you're right, Joe. He's the prototypical type of player. You pin him with Darius Slay. All of a sudden now, maybe you draft a rookie quarterback in there. You have a formidable secondary, which is what they need. So I'm all bored for this. I think that these are the types of moves you make in the second wave of free agency that you can say, hey, you know what? Maybe we don't feel we're a Super Bowl contender in 2022, but 
we want to tell people that, hey, we're good enough. Like, we're good enough, and this is a reason why you should come. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The Eagles are uh, still talking with uh, uh, the Honey Badger, and, you know, Jeff, you described it as that's what it's going to be. If his number comes down, if it's one year, I don't know. They'd probably be willing to go – pretty high in the one year situation. Then they bring him in in a second, but you know, he's a new Orleans guy. He probably wants to play with the saints. He visited the saints. We'll see. They don't have a lot of money though. So sometimes these things, how how much are the Eagles really going to have to pay to outbid the saints? Well, I'm, you know, I don't know. There are creative things you can do just because Mickey Loomis doesn't, now, do them at times there are creative ways you can do these things as we see with howie all the time but if his price comes down yeah i think the eagles will bring him in and if he's willing to play on a one-year deal especially i think they would seriously consider bring him in but you brought up Metcalf. i i think Metcalf is so interesting to me because there was that report and jody you probably saw it as a jets guy that the jets offered the fourth pick for D- dj Metcalf. the 10th pick I, I, there's, there's no way. Why would they offer either? There's, there's no stinking way because people don't look at the back end. Then you, then the extension is coming and you got to pay the guy 20 plus million dollars. And McDavis had a good one. Do you, do you not think he's a 20 million plus uh, salary guy, John? Well, I was, it, it was, no, he is. That's what I'm saying. You have to pay him. So, uh, Jeff just brought up our buddy Tim McManus. Tim had a good trade. Tim had a sensible trade. Now I forget what it is. It's a third you know, and a fifth, which is a really good a trade. Third and a fifth. Like yeah. A third and a fifth. Um, because you got to pay the money on top of it. So nobody's giving up the fourth pick in the draft. And I know Joe Douglas. He's not giving up the fourth stinking pick in the draft. And oh, then I'm going to go p- pay the player 20 plus million dollars. I mean, maybe we're too invested in, in this idea of valuation because we're around Howie Roseman all the time, but I know Joe Douglas is around Howie Roseman all the time. I can't imagine he would do something like that. Yeah. Um, So I, I don't think people, when they talk about trades, I don't think people look at the value on the back end and what you have to pay the player. So the more you have to pay the player, the more, the what you're giving up and the draft capital goes down. Um, and I just see all these first round picks, first round Eagles should give up their first. They don't have to give up their first round pick. Nobody's giving up their first round pick unless they're a desperate team. And both did. And I'm not trying to compare DK Metcalf to either Devontae Adams or uh, uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's, he's a step down from both of those guys, but they both commanded first-round picks plus and well, get paid on the back end. A, yes, I would say he's the next tier down. He's not on that tier. Uh, those guys are arguably one-two. Uh, certainly Devontae's one. I think Tyreek is the most explosive player, but he's certainly there. And you throw Cooper Cup in there as well. And maybe Chase and Jefferson, who aren't available as younger players. Um uh, so a he's a, he's 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 on the next tier. He and AJ Brown, I think, are in that next tier, which is still really good players, still worth the money. 
And it only takes, it always only takes one. And we've seen that, like, I don't know what Mickey Loomis was doing with the trade he made. It only, you know, it only takes one. But when people start talking about top 10 picks and you got to pay the player, boy, that would be a bad trade. And I, I don't know if, you know, if, if Joe Douglas, he's getting desperate if he would pull off a trade like that. That's all I'll say. By the way, as someone who's, I don't want to say close with the organization, but someone who follows them a lot, the Ravens, I thought they, they were a team that if they would have been able to get Marcus Williams and Bobby Wagner, which basically from reading between the tea leaves, it looked like the Rams kind of stole him from the Ravens. They, I would definitely have them as a surefire Super Bowl contender out of the AFC. And they're still going to be really good next year, but they would have had those two adding with all those players are coming back. And I think they're going to go after a receiver in this draft as well. I, I was really disappointed they weren't able to get Bobby Wagner because I thought he would have been just an absolute stud with McDonald. All right. One last question for me, Mr. Covers the league wide. Baker Mayfield still in Cleveland. When is that going to rectify itself? Do you guys even want him on Birds 365 at this point? <laughs> I I think Baker – I like Baker better than most people. I, I do too. It's He's not as bad as people make him out. No. If I was for some out, reason, people act like he's Johnny Manziel. I mean, come on. Johnny Manziel was an abject disaster in his, his NFL life and his personal life even more so. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Baker, I don't know, what was their uh, playoff streak, Jeff, that they broke when, when they made the playoffs? Well, they didn't win a playoff game since, what was it, 89? Yeah. And then I mean, he broke it, and they went to the playoffs, what, once? Or, I think it was once since they came back? Yeah. Is that, so that's, that's 99, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, I, I mean, the guy is – one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. The guy's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's a top 10 or even a top 15 guy. But and if I'm the Eagles, I'm not going after Baker Mayfield, but he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I thought he, he, he played through a very serious injury. He shouldn't have been playing through. And he took a lot of hits for it. And I'm surprised the league, has not looked because they know, you know, fans may not know, but they know what he played through and he didn't look good, but they needed him and he tried to play through it. That's a positive yeah, in well, my, in they my got pummeled by the Ravens on Sunday night football. I'm, I'm in his news conference. He's coming in there and he looked like he was hit by a truck. That, that shoulder was just destroyed. And he goes out there and tries to play like, you know, he, he just went through four quarters of hell pretty much. And I'm like, why is this guy playing right now? Like it's, it's getting worse every year and every week. And everybody's criticizing about Bailey's playing. I'm like you try throwing with your injured non-throwing shoulder. It ain't easy to do. I, I give him a lot of credit for doing. It. 
Yeah. But where is he going to end up? If you're telling me Obviously, yeah, that he's a starting quarterback in the National Football League, well then he's going to be he's going to he's got to be either traded or released. There's no way they bring Baker Mayfield back uh, with the I I could see Mike Tomlin running again. That's yeah. why that's why Cleveland probably hasn't yeah, that's why they won't him yet cuz they see the same thing you do. Yeah, yeah, it's Mike Tomlin loves Baker Mayfield. I, I and that'd see, be that'd be fun. That would be fun. Go right to Pittsburgh and Cleveland cover that first game. I'd love to see Baker just kind of plant the Steelers flag on the field and do all his college antics. It's but or <laughs> you know, I I feel bad for progressive. Is it progressive? I'm giving yes, them a free plug. Yeah. yeah, giving them a free plug. Yeah. They got to move Baker out of First Energy Stadium and his. Beautiful wife. They still, they 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 still do have... play the commercials, though, at home with Baker Rayfield. New stadium to do those commercials from this upcoming season. JK, always a pleasure, bud. Appreciate it. We'll get you on again before the draft. Thanks for hopping on today. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com, NFL uh, writer here with us on Birds 365. All right, yet to come, we've got Benjamin Solak, who's going to join us today. Yeah, did some time. Over at Bleeding Green Nation, now giving his football thoughts on the athletic, is going to hop aboard with us. The ringer. Well, did I, I say the that. athletic? My bad. Yeah. The ringer is going to jump aboard with us next hour here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. 
or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Thursday get-together here on Birds 365. Ben Solak from, not The Athletic, excuse me, The Ringer will join us coming up in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, so you want to stick around for that. Um, John, you got me going uh, while we had uh, Jeff Kerr on about created catches. That if a player has a certain skill set, you're not just going to put them out wide and have them run routes and be able to deliver them the football down the field. But you want to be able to do certain things, just get the ball in his hands and let him create for his, himself because he is that elusive or he is that fast. And it's not just about running routes and, and getting open downfield that a guy brings something above and beyond to the table that not most people bring. And you correctly point out that the Eagles have not necessarily had success in uh, acquiring these type of players, trying to put plays in to get these players the ball in this position. Am I a little paranoid here to think that maybe that is one of the reasons why the Eagles haven't gone to plan B or C or D or E? if they specifically were close to getting the wide receiver from the Falcons, but then the deal blew up because the player got suspended for the entire year, uh, that they are still believing that, hey, we can still get those created catches for Jalen Rager. Is, is there any chance that that is still a big part of the thinking by the Philadelphia Eagles in handling their wide receivers this offseason? I don't think so, um, but I've argued, and you know, NFL people will call it manufactured touches because you're also talking about running the football, jet sweeps, you know, right. things of that nature, um, along with those bubble screens and those hitches that the Eagles tried a million times. It was, it's the ugliest play in football, unless you execute it uh, properly. Then it looks great, yeah. <laughs> um, but when it doesn't work, boy, it looks ugly. Uh, it is not aesthetically pleasing. Uh, and we saw that way too much last year because the Eagles don't have the player that can do that. Um, it doesn't seem like if you look at the players they chased at wide receiver, it's not manufactured touch guys. You know, they're real wide receivers. They're real, you know, um, Calvin Ridley's a great route runner. Robert Woods is a tremendous route runner. Allen Robinson is really well-rounded. Christian Kirk would be the one who's, you know, younger, but he's more explosive, more of a, you know, um, but he's not really a manufactured touch guy. So I haven't seen them going after that type of player. I don't feel bad because they can't use it. <laughs> I mean, you can use those guys on bubble screens, but they're not going to be the jet sweep. They're not going to be the Debo guys who carry it, you know, out of the backfield and line up all over and jet sweeps and orbit motion and blah, blah, blah. They're not going to be that type of player. That was what they were hoping Jalen Rager was going to be when they drafted him. But no, I think they pulled the plug there. I think they understand for whatever reason. And it's strange because, 
confidence is a strange thing, strange thing, because if you look at Jalen's uh, uh, college tape, he does look explosive on the field. He does look, um, and and obviously tested well from a, a, a speed standpoint, and he just doesn't look fast on an NFL field, and. You know, I think that's bred from uncertainty and not having confidence in himself and not realizing, you know, not having success and 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 thinking about things too much. And yeah, you could always hope the light comes on. And I would argue, and I did argue, when the Eagles signed Zach Pascal, well, <clears throat> if you're gonna sign Zach Pascal, great, let him mentor the guys in the room and just try Jalen Riker again and hope the light goes off. Um, but ultimately, I think they're going to draft a wide receiver somewhere in those first three picks. Could be the second round. Um, and that person should be able to get on the field because of what uh, the Eagles are penciling in a wide receiver. But Jody, then you got a second year receiver, a third year receiver and a rookie receiver. And you don't have that veteran presence, which was what you were looking for with Calvin Ridley and Robert Woods. Which is what I've been critical that they haven't been able to land that guy. And a couple of very good wide receivers (laughs) have changed teams during this off season. Um, We use this phrase. I know I do. I'm pretty sure you do as well. Um, A change of scenery guy that sometimes a player who hasn't achieved what he was supposed to achieve gets shipped off to a new new team. It's not like uh, somebody waved the magic wand, but you see improvement. You wonder why sometimes just the change of scenery can be enough to move the envelope that a guy actually lives up to what his expectations were in one place were not achieved, came up short, but then he goes ahead and does it in another place. Does Ray, uh, Jalen Rager scare you as a change of scenery guy? That if he gets sent to another team, not Kyle Shanahan, because we readily admit he's the guy who can get it done more than any other coach, but any other team other than San Francisco, does Rager scare you? You don't think there's any chance they're going to trade him because off no, the numbers like, that he's like put up, yeah, his power is still too high. You know, maybe you get a conditional seventh. I don't know. Um no, my bad. I mean, if he goes to Green Bay, I think you know Aaron Rodgers might turn him into a, uh, you know, Equinemius St. Brown type player. Um, even you know, maybe the ceiling is Martez Valdez Scantling, who might be the most overrated receiver in the history of football, which you're going to see this year. Um, uh no in in short no i'm not worried about it but you know in the break and i was doing this for my own edification because i wanted to check because i think debo samuel is the most fun player to watch in the nfl i think he's he's my favorite player in the nfl to watch um i think he's just so unique and so i look back at his time at south carolina he played four years at South Carolina. Now he was hurt a lot, and that's part of the reason he fell too to the second round. But he played 30 games in, in South Carolina. He ran the football 25 times in 30 games, Jody. I, I, they didn't know. That, that's my point. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. No, Nobody knew what type of player he could become, what he could be. 
and that's the evaluation. That's where the evaluation part comes in. And you have to understand, and to Howie's credit, he says, you know, you got to, you got to realize what your coaching staff wants and what they're looking for and what they need and try to shape things in that direction. I just don't see a lot of teams that would have turned Debo Samuel into Debo Samuel. Now Debo's so good. He's just a good receiver as well, but the vast majority of the teams would just line him up at receiver and that'd be it. And that would be it. And you got to give John Lynch a lot of credit. They've done a nice job at using the NFL draft uh, as a weapon in upgrading their talent and having two uh, championship runs over the last three years uh, in the NFC. Um, but their big draft pick, of course, from last year was uh, their quarterback or their quarterback of the future that most people speculate is going to be their quarterback of the present this year. Yet Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. And I know that he, too, it's funny, I asked you about Baker Mayfield, and said he played through pain. And Jimmy Garoppolo, same thing, had shoulder, shoulder surgery at the end of the year, and that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been dealt yet. What's the chance that Garoppolo comes back and is in camp with the 49ers? Do you, have they definitively moved on from him, or do you think that – they're still open-minded to, hey, yeah, we can we can run this back. We can do another year. We can yeah, shoot. They gave Rodgers years in Green Bay before they turned to him. We could do the same patient route. Do you think that could happen in San Francisco this year? I think there's more of a chance now than there was. It seemed like they were hell-bent on moving on after the season, but they wanted to get value for Jimmy Garoppolo. So it becomes that, you know, all right, we, we need to get a certain – amount when it comes to whatever they're looking for draft capital players whatever and you know then teams started going in different directions and now what do you do i mean yeah maybe you can convince atlanta that marcus mariota is probably not the answer but arthur smith seems to love him i mean where there are no spots now mitchell trubisky we just talked about baker mayfield pittsburgh yeah, I mean, it looks to us like, well, what the heck is Pittsburgh doing with Mitchell Trubisky? But, I mean, that's their decision. Um, so, now that there's no options, yeah. But I, I do think if they bring him back, it tells you more about Trey Lance than Jimmy Garoppolo. That that means they're saying, you know what? Uh, what you're saying. This kid's not ready. But boy, that looks bad on the organization, considering where they drafted him, what they traded up, what to do to get him. So then the pressure starts coming on the GM. There's all these other things you got to think about as a GM. And that's a big one, man. When you miss on a quarterback, woof, that's on your resume forever. Here's and, this, this, I'm sorry, Don. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that uh, here's this the scary scenario as we look at the quarterback landscape and realize that most of the uh, positions are stone cold locked in, in stone. The one that should scare Eagle fans is Seattle. Cause I'm yeah, sorry. Seattle's one. Yeah. Drew Locke is yeah. not leading them anywhere. Yeah. And here's the reason why Seattle's quarterback position and the kind of season they have is very important as far as Eagles are concerned. They too have two first round draft picks next year. Yeah. And if yeah. they go through the season with Drew Locke, uh, I'm going to go way out here on a limb and say Seattle will be looking to get a quarterback in next year's draft. 
And I think Seattle's record will not be as good as the Eagles' record this year. So if you start at a higher spot with your first-round pick, it gives you that much easier a path, one of John's favorite words, a path to getting that quarterback in next year's draft. That's who you're going to be competing with, Seattle, because they are a team that had two first-round draft picks already in place. And if they're ready to go, we don't care what kind of record. Unlike the Eagles, who are trying to serve two masters, win in the present and win in the future, Seattle might just throw up their hands and go, yeah, we don't worry about 2022. We're, we're all in for 2023, and we know we're going to have to get a new quarterback. That would not do well for the Eagles if Jalen Hurts is not the man after 2022. Going to end up hurting them. All right, quickie timeout. We'll come back. Benjamin Solak scheduled to join us uh, from the ringer. We'll talk all things NFL with Ben Solak next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Back here on Birds Street 65, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. 
Oh, it's been so like he's on his it. way, he says. So, okay, he's, hopefully, he's he'll pop joining up. Joining us yeah. in just a couple of minutes. And uh, he uh, used to write for Bleeding Green Nation, now doing it for uh, The Ringer. Um, so, we'll get uh, his overall thoughts on the NFL. He's a Philly guy, so we'll lean heavily on the Eagles, but also uh, other moves in free agency leading up to the NFL draft. And three weeks out, John, you've been through this year after year after year. Um, the season of misinformation. Oh, yeah. The lying season. Oh, my Lord. Some tough, teams, some teams start it as soon as the last regular season game is played. They begin to lie about what they think of the upcoming class in the NFL draft. Other teams strategically drop it in when they think it can have the biggest effect than give information to a specific source that they think can get it out there the way that they want. Uh, some teams have a, like, the very last week, oh, we can say whatever we want, We but if we really sell, wrestling term, uh, in the last week of the lead-up to the draft, that's the only thing that matters. Uh, some people like to call it the silly season of the National Football League because there is a lot of misinformation flying around and about out there. Uh, wh where do you think we're at three weeks before the draft? Oh, this is, yeah, this is where this is where it really he's. By the way, Ben's having trouble with StreamYard to recognize his mic and camera, so he's having some technical issues. So hopefully, he pops on. But um, yeah, I mean, Jody, it is uh, it is crazy. We were just talking about the top thirty visits, and you know, I I think. Your sentiment on that is like a lot of people's sentiment. And I think in a lot of ways, it's common sense. Like you have this limited number of visits and, you know, why not take advantage of them with the players you really want to target? But that's where some of the silliness comes in. Like, and, you know, sometimes, you know, there's 30 players, right? So you can bring in 30. You're, you're generally not bringing in potential seventh round picks well you know the eagles brought one in marcus jones teams do it all the time you know a kick returner they badly need a kickoff returner or punt and a punt returner and they got this kid from houston who's a great returner and they're bringing him in and it's like well you know you only i did the math last year the, the eagles returned four kicks per game in the modern nfl it's not a big part of the game anymore because everything is touchbacks, everything, you know, punters have become so good. But you, you need one. You'd like to be able to take advantage when you have one of those small opportunities and the Eagles are bringing in a potential player they might take late in the draft. And this is, you know, say they might like a player at 15 and they might not want to bring them in. So they don't want to signal uh, uh, their interest. So you have all this kind of subterfuge and it's, it's tough to wade through it. But I see Ben. Ben has popped up. So let's bring Benjamin Solak on. There is Ben Solak uh, joining us here on Birds 365. Glad to get you aboard, Ben. How much fun are you having with the silly season? It is the lead up to the NFL draft. Yeah, it seems like every time I think I can put my feet up, somebody else got traded somewhere. Free agency was <laughs> three times as long as I remember it being. Uh, and then, right, we're at, we're in a, we're in Rumor City. I always like to say, you know, you you can believe pretty much everything you hear up until about a week after the combine, and then we get to that point in March where the tides shift and it's all just smokescreen and lies. And so you do your best to, to parse what's real and then realize when the stopping point comes and everything's a load of hokum. So it's been fun as per usual. Yeah, it's always fun. And for those who know Ben, in between 
Bleeding Green Nation and the ringer where he works now. He worked at the Draft Network. And Mm -hmm. one of your expertise was the quarterback position. You worked a lot on that. So I want to start there. Everybody's interested in the quarterbacks. And obviously, Ben, just not a highly regarded one when you talk about um, the thought process for most people. And I think that's a fair assessment when we talk about the NFL. Um, how do you grade this class? And and when you look at the class and when you look at the quarterbacks, how does that affect the valuation of other positions? In other words, mm-hmm. when you have great quarterbacks, all the other picks have more value uh, because people understand. Have you seen that? Is there is that a thought process thought process around the league? I think a little bit. Uh, what what I think you're going to see, and you saw this a little bit, I think already in the Saints trade, is that the quarterback class is perceived to be not great. And so teams that are up in the top 10 would like to move back, sure, but don't necessarily think that they're going to have the market to do so because quarterback class isn't that good. There aren't teams tripping over themselves to go up and get this guy. Well, if you're like, if you're like one, if you really like Malik Willis, if you really like Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, Matt Corral, uh, Ole Miss, Kenny Pickett, Pitt, whoever you want. If you really want one, it's going to be cheaper this year to go trade up and go get that guy as opposed to in past years. So number one, I think that there's a little bit of a, a hidden, easier trade market, a little bit of a lighter trade market this year for quarterbacks than you've typically seen. So I think that's one. And I think number two is that while the, the lack of a strong quarterback class can affect how other positions get valued, it's just a bad class across the board. And that's the thing about uh, the bad quarterback class. It's a nice, easy talking point. Like, oh, quarterback class isn't that great. But if you listen to, like, draft guys, right, like Zerline and Brugler and Dan DJ, they talk about this draft like it has a lot of depth. And that's code. Draft guy code, depth equals bad class. Like that, because just not not really <laughs> many people that talented at the top. Bad, right? yeah. Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Let, me, let me question you. Bad class or bad top of the draft? Right, right. Bad top of the draft, right? Use those interchangeably in terms of, of – you always expect there to be some day two guy who's awesome, right? Some day two receiver who pops. But in terms of, of the top guys and, and, and tripping over yourself to get this round one pick, tripping over yourself to get, get a top half of the first round pick, there's not that dude in the quarterback class or in the whole class. Like th- we would not talk about Aiden Hutchinson, like a lock first round pick or first overall pick, excuse me, in any other class. Like look at the edges who have gone top five. Miles Garrett, the Bosa brothers, Chase Young. This guy is not those guys. Right. Very clearly not. Uh, and so we, it is a class of, 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 of B tier players at the top. And it's, you know, maybe you're, you, you do want to be like the Jets and the Giants and get to take two swings and hit on like a sauce garden or hit on an Ike Aquanu, some of these guys who are projects with these high ceilings, but in general, it's just not a great class altogether. So I think you're going to see a lot of teams want to trade back, maybe find a deal. It'll be cheaper than usual and not get the return that they typically do because it's just not the sort of draft you want to have a lot of first round picks in. And that's reflecting what the Eagles did because they took one of their first round picks and punted it into next year, expecting next year's class just by law of averages to be better. So Ben, what was your thought then from the saints perspective? What the heck is Mickey Loomis doing to try to get up closer into that top range of the draft and have those two picks in mid round Um, in a year, he lost his head coach, no more Sean Payton, obviously, Mm -hmm. Plus, you lose Teron Armstead. You lose uh, Marcus Williams in free agency. What the heck was your first thought when Mickey Loomis is is pulling this trade? 
It's really something, Mickey Loomis and the Saints. It's not It's not dissimilar to how I think some Eagles fans feel about Harry Roseman here in Philly, where it's when a guy has has job security and has been in this, in this job for a long time, he can just kind of do what he wants. He can just kind of go about his process. And, and for a long time, we excused and justified and, and, and reasoned with a lot of the Saints' very aggressive moves because they have Drew Brees and they have Sheltayan. So go in and hit the winning window. Try to win with Drew Brees while you still can. And lo and behold, with Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen, the Saints are still doing their thing. Where they are just <laughs> pushing into, into these windows and pushing and being aggressive. I personally think it's it, the plan for the Saints is to package the two first-round picks and move up for a quarterback on draft day. That, I think, is plan A. I think if they have to make two non-quarterback picks, they'll be okay with that. Whatever, that's fine. They have some holes in the roster. But that's the read I get. I I... I struggle to find an example in history where a team made a pre-draft trade to get stronger in the first round, not for a quarterback, right? Like people have talked about for a tackle. Sure. Maybe. I mean, the, 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 the saints on draft day in 2018 traded a future first to move up for an edge, which was Marcus. Yeah, Davenport, Marcus which Davenport, was yeah. Weird and unexpected. And, and so I guess if a team's going to do that, it'll be the saints. Um, but typically when you see a team load up on ammo, think about the Eagles, moving from 13 to 8 in 2016 to get ready for the Carson Wentz trade. Typically, when a team is loading up early, it's because they expect to move on quarterback. And I think the Saints have a guy that they like who, for whatever reason, they don't think is going to make it past 10, you know, whatever. Some, some you know, like a benchmark. And they want to be in a position where if he's at 8 or 9, to pull a trigger and, and, and get a deal done then. Why that couldn't involve a first-round pick, I'm not sure. But it's it's rare to see a team position themselves like this and not go for quarterback, especially when every insider in the world within five minutes of the trade was like, hey, guys, this may not be for a quarterback. That's how you know it's probably for a quarterback because the Saints immediately got it out there that <laughs> maybe they weren't doing it for a quarterback. So to me, it smells like quarterback. We'll see, though. Saints are tough to predict. All right. Uh, ben, time for Jody McDonald's favorite question, which what type of question would that be, John? That is a hypothetical. Hypothetical so get ready. Get ready question. For this, All right, ben. here we go, Ben. Um, and it's got to be hypothetical because I don't think the type of player I'm describing actually exists in this year's draft. If there was a running back who you were 99.9% assured was the next Derrick Henry or was the next Jonathan Taylor who was absolutely in the MVP conversation as well as he should have been. Uh, it's just a big hurdle to get over when it comes to quarterbacks as compared to running backs, but he was that good for Indianapolis this year. If that type of player were available in this year's draft, how high would he go and what team would actually go, damn, you're telling me I'm getting the next Jonathan Taylor. I got to take him at this spot. Where would he go? What team would he go to? You said 99.9% positive? Yes, <laughs> that he's going to be the next yeah. Jonathan Taylor. One. One. Wow. He goes to Jags. And the, the draft, if I can get certainty in the draft, I will pay whatever you want for it, right? And that's okay. that's right. that's the the big, you know, fallacy in, in, in the draft space is, the, you know, this guy's canvas prospect. Yeah, he is. He can miss. He can miss a lot of ways. NFL teams have a myriad of methods to screw up prospects, baby. They do it all the time. Like, listen, this 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 99.9% Derrick Henry would be going to the Jaguars, who are currently doing everything they can to screw up Trevor Lawrence, who was the most yeah. you can't screw up this quarterback guy in ages, right? Yeah. Uh, it is so easy to talk yourself into fictitious certainty 
of draft prospects. Aiden Hutchinson, he loves ball. Didn't go on spring break practice. Loves ball. I love that Nick Seriati. Loves ball. Loves ball. He's a competitor. He can't miss. Loves football. Lives, breathes, high motor player. We we were not talking about this guy as a first-round pick 12 months ago. Without an extra COVID year of eligibility, he's not a first-round pick. This is absolutely a can-miss prospect, and that's true for every first-round pick, every first overall pick in all of history, is that there's ways that these guys miss. So if you're telling me I've got certainty, brother could be a punter for all I care. If if I know he's going to be an impactful (laughs) player, I will take him immediately. Well, what not, I'm not going to say can't miss, but I think he's the best player in this draft, and I think the NFL is going to miss, and that's Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. Now, a couple things. It, it's a devalued position, not as bad as running back, but almost as bad, mm-hmm. and he didn't run well. Um, didn't run well at the combine, didn't run well at his pro day. How far could Kyle Hamilton potentially fall Ben and obviously with the Eagles sitting at 15 is that pie in the sky uh it's a little pie in the sky I'm perfectly happy to keep believing it though because I love the player and if you were to make it to Philly I would go nuts if they passed on him I would have a breakdown a little bit um <laughs> but what you're what they think, might by the way yeah what I think you're seeing from mockers right now is kind of that seven to 10 seven to 11 ranges the floor you still occasionally see him at like three to the the texans two to the lines whatever um but atlanta which is a team that just like needs good players period uh washington at 11 i saw from peter schrager this morning houston at 13 as like a floor floor again they just like need good players players who just have like a bad roster right teams who just have a bad roster oh just go ahead and take kyle hamilton but i i wrote about this this month it drives me nuts this thing about safety value is that historically it's been a devalued position. You don't see safeties drafted in the top five. But teams have been paying safeties like freaking crazy over the last few years. Yeah. In, in terms of in terms of top five contracts by APY, so the, the, the richest of the rich, safety has grown faster over the last six years than all other positions besides quarterback, edge, and tackle, which are the three most premium of all premium positions, right? So the, the league is telling you, once we get to our B tier of positions, once we get away from edge, tackle, and quarterback, we want the best safety. That's the player we are willing to pay the most for. That market has been booming. Harrison Smith contract, Justin Simmons contract, Jamal Adams contract, Marcus Williams, who the Eagles were in on and got priced out of because he cost $17 million a year. So Kyle Hamilton as a, as a, as a top five safety is not unreasonable. It, it, it is not a bad uh, uh, fiscal investment. And the teams that still believe that are not are, are, are working with archaic knowledge. They're working with old information. New information tells you that this is a, a position that is becoming premium. This is a position that is mattering, especially as Lee goes to too high world, which is what Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles want to do. So if you're talking yourself out of Kyle Hamilton as a team because, oh, we historically safety is in a premium position, you're wrong. This is not what the league is doing. And, and, and in five years, 10 years, that's going to be more and more reflected in draft capital, in my opinion. So Hamilton is a, are you early on this? And if the Eagles pass on him because oh, we don't draft safeties in round one, you're done. And yes, you should, because he's a good player. All right. Since you went there, I'm taking you back there. The There's no such thing as a sure thing. I gave you 99.9%, and you said, yo, I'll take anybody, including a punter. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to ask you about a punter, because I was at the NFL draft when Janikowski went in the first round, and you had to go around picking up chins off the floor that people couldn't believe that a kicker would go in the first round. And he did, and he stuck around for almost two decades. So I actually give the Raiders credit for that pick. 
Uh, but this kid, Matareza from uh, San Diego State, yeah. I'm on the air till 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. So, yes, I've seen San Diego State games. I got the game team on. What the hell? What other game is on at 1 o'clock in the morning here in uh, New Jersey? Well, San Diego State. This kid is amazing. The stuff that he did this year and the statistics he put up were, were never achieved before in college by a punter. How high is he going to go? Would the Eagles use a pick on a punter in this upcoming draft? He's going to go day two, I think, number one. I think the I think he won't go to the Eagles because I think teams that value and expect to go on fourth down aren't going to value him as much just by virtue of the fact that he's going to see the field one less time per game, you know, half, you know, one less time for two games. Uh, and when you're only seeing the field, you know, four or five times, if you're a punter per game, that losing that rep because the team expects to go for it on fourth down does matter. Uh, and so I think you're not going to see like analytics invested teams who expect to go for it on fourth down invest in the guy. But if you are a contending team, if you are a playoff team, right, a team that doesn't have that many holes in the roster – and this sort of a guy is available. Like think about what special teams meant to the Green Bay Packers over the course of their season, yeah. and then subsequently yeah. in their loss to the Niners, where the only yeah. touchdown they gave up was off a block punt. Yeah, right. they care about special teams. <laughs> they care about third unit, uh, and that's that's what I think we're going to see him go. So I would very much expect him to be a day two pick. And you're right to say this is the best punter prospect. That probably doesn't mean anything to anybody, but it is. He's the yeah. best punter prospect that's come out a long, long time. And if you can <clears> consistently <throat> put people inside the twenty. Look at the numbers, man. Like the 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 percentage of drives that end in scoring from inside the twenty versus outside the twenty-five are massive. Like the difference is notable over the course of a season. Uh, so he matters, and he's gonna be a day two pick. It's a good point about the analytics-driven team, Ben. So we know yeah. the Chargers aren't taking him as well. There you we go. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, know the, we know the Chargers, but I do want to talk about the Eagles and. Uh, I, we'll start with the trade. And I, obviously, I think it's pretty evident that Howie wants to get kicked back a year and get into the better quarterback draft class as a safety net for Jalen Hurts. But uh, I've been talking to a lot of people about this, so I want to get your thoughts on it. Where did this we're not ready stuff start in the NFL in a league where if you go back to 2017, the only uh, Super Bowl championship in Eagles history, I don't. I didn't see many people who thought the Eagles were ready. Where did this hand wringing of "we're not ready" begin in the NFL, or, or do you think that's a little bit overblown and it's just more of a cyclical thing? I think it's a little bit more of a cyclical thing. Uh, I, I think you would say it began in the NBA, right? I think yeah. it, it be it, it began with tanking the NBA and the clear value that came from that. Now, having a top five pick in the NBA draft matters substantially more than having a top five pick in the NFL draft. And so I think when teams started figuring out how can we tank, how does it work? You look at kind of that that era of the Dolphins about three or four years ago, right? Where, all right, we're going to tank and go get a quarterback. And then all of a sudden, the team won a couple games because they liked playing for the coach, right? It's very hard to lose a football game intentionally, right? Like, this is a high effort sport. If I'm going to go out there and get hit, I'm going to try to win while I'm doing it. Uh, won a couple games, got to the fifth overall pick, still had what could have been an elite quarterback right there on the board and drafted yeah. the other guy, right? Took yeah. two instead of Justin Herbert. Uh, 
it, 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 it details. It's a, it's a, it's a good little story for tanking is a lot harder in the NFL than it is in the NBA. NBA, you can kind of just get talent in the building, you know, figure out what position he fits in at the NFL. It's a lot trickier. And so I think that there's a, a knowledge starting from the 2011 CBA where rookie contracts became scaled to their position that a rookie contract quarterback is the best guy. Like you, that, that if you have that, you have a massive competitive advantage. So boom, place that right there. And there's a knowledge of, all right, it is really hard to get quarterback right. It is really hard to time and, 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 and plan and hit this arc of building a team right off that springboard of getting that good rookie contract quarterback. And with these two truths, you now have the Eagles who have a rookie contract quarterback in Jalen Hurts, but watch him and know that they're probably not yet in a position where they should go all in building around this guy because talent-wise, he, he's fine. He seems like a good bridge quarterback. He seems like a decent starter, but he doesn't seem like that true launch pad, that true franchise changing guy. But because he gives them a rookie contract, they can tread water a little bit, both build for the next guy and also a little bit build for Hertz and see if he keeps getting better. So they're walking a fine line. It is really tough to do. Uh, but when, when you have a, that cheap second round pick rookie quarterback contract, you can invest in other positions, be long-term in your, in your, in your team building, make sure the cap is healthy you know, deal with some of these restructures, some of these void years that you put out, kind of clean up the house a little bit and just prepare for the next guy. It might be Hertz, but it's probably going to be somebody else. All right, uh, Benjamin, you did such a good job of breaking down not only what was exchanged, but the thought process, but the deal between the Saints and the Eagles. I want to ask you about another trade that's come down within the past week. Give me the Patriots, both line of logic and how you would rate the trade acquisition of Devontae <laughs> Parker. Sure. I mean, <laughs> with this point, the whenever wow. the page whenever the Patriots make a wide receiver move, you just know another shoe is dropping. Something's not going to make sense. Uh why it took a third round pick to move the Dolphins off of Parker, a player they clearly did not want and had no plans to use, a player who's been banged up. I don't really know. He absolutely well, whoa, 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 whoa. I gotta stop you. Both you and Johnny Mac. It wasn't a third round pick. It was the moving back from a third to a fifth round pick. They sent Parker and a fifth round pick in exchange for a third round pick. So it wasn't a third. It was the difference between the third and the fifth, which really isn't all that much. And I still think Parker's got game. That's why I asked you the question. Would, okay. So the difference between a third and a fifth, would you, what do you call that equivalent to? Like a fourth? Mm, I would say more like a fifth. Like a fifth? I don't know why I took a fifth to move the results. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is so rare to see an intra division trade that, it, that yeah. if the, if a team in your division is willing to send you a guy, to me, that smells funny to me. I, I don't, that would be Washington yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Uh. So to me that, that, that worries me. Now, Parker is very much the sort of player that the Patriots need, right? You look at how that receiver room is built. With Jacoby Myers, with Kendrick Bourne, with Nelson Aguilar, they lack a ball winner on the outside. They lack size on the outside. This is why people wanted the Eagles to be in on Devontae Parker as well. And it would have made sense is because they need that ball winner, right? They need that downfield guy, contested catch above the rim outside the numbers. So Parker fits what the Dolphins, uh, fits what the Patriots need. And nobody in that room is really, you know, locked down high volume, right? Like, oh, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, and they can be possession guys, but nobody's really been like a, a, a dominant high volume receiver. So there's opportunity there for Parker. It's just very peculiar to me that the Dolphins, that the Patriots saw an intra-division team want to send them a guy and said, yeah, 
Sure. And it's even more peculiar that in the process, they did lose a day two pick. They added a day three pick, which for the Patriots, they're very good on day three. I understand that. But generally, you value those top 100 picks more so than a veteran uh, receiver who you could probably have just gotten an equivalent of in round three anyway. All right, Benjamin, last one from me. Uh, before that, read uh, Ben at the ringer, uh, theringer.com, at Benjamin Solik on Twitter, uh, the Ringer NFL show on Spotify. Uh, listen to that and put that in your favorite podcast. Does a tremendous job there. I want to rewind to what you were saying about the cost-effective nature of a, a quarterback on his rookie deal. And obviously – that's a huge competitive advantage. You look at Philadelphia, that's coming to an end quicker than people realize because yep. Jalen Hurts will be eligible for an extension after this season. And we know you don't want to go in a lame duck season with a quarterback. It just it signals if you do do that, it signals bad whether – you want the quarterback, he doesn't want to sign with you, he wants to bet on himself, or you don't want the quarterback. Now, the cost of doing business on second contracts for NFL quarterbacks that are average to above average is basically about $30 million now. Mm -hmm. Do the Eagles want to go to more of a college framework and say, you know what? let's look at a four-year window, four or five-year window, and just keep turning this thing over until we can find the true superstar quarterback that is worthy of an Aaron Rodgers-level contract. I think they want to wait for that superstar, and I don't think they want, I think they don't want to pay Jalen Hurts $30 million. I think following the college approach, which it sounds good in theory, is difficult in practice because you really, really, really need the personality, the leader, and the work ethic of a guy like Jalen Hurts, right? Uh, for everything Hurts is and isn't as a player, he has gotten better in like every season he has played college or professional football, which is wild to say. Nobody does this. Eventually, guys hit a plateau. They don't care as much or they get the money and then they're done or whatever. And I remember watching Hurts at Alabama and going like, this is a running back. Like he cannot throw. And over three years at Alabama, and then a year in Oklahoma, and now two years in Philadelphia. He's just gotten better as a passer, better as a quarterback every single year. So firstly, that's awesome because it allows you as the Eagles to honestly and earnestly turn to Philadelphia, turn to the league, turn to your fan base and say, we think this guy might actually end up really good because he keeps getting better. And we don't know if that's ever going to stop ever. So we're going to let him keep playing. You also have to have a guy who is comfortable being put in a position where the team is not making a financial investment. The team is clearly in Deshaun Watson rumors, yada, yada, whatever, in you as the starting quarterback. And the, and the guy says, yeah, I like that. The guy who was here previously didn't like that, right? Yeah. That, that was, that was yeah. tough for him mentally. And that'd be tough yeah. for a lot of people mentally. I would not be good. I would need Kyle Roseman and Nick Sirianni to be up on the podium like, we love Ben. Ben is the best person <laughs> in the world. We want to pay Ben so much. Otherwise, I'd be in my head constantly, right? And Jalen Hurts, you know, is, is very clearly right now a – bridge guy was fighting to prove that he deserves the starting job a lot of other quarterbacks would be like i've played well we made the playoffs played the playoff game like i got it and hurts is just i'm gonna do my work and he, he knows like that's what he is as a leader and that's what he is as a guy so if you want to do a, a a carousel of rookie contracts you better get that personality every single time because eventually you're going to bring in a dude who 
the locker room isn't willing to be behind as he struggles through his rookie, you know, lumps, his rookie learning patches, or he himself is not going to want to be treated as a bridge. He's not going to want to be treated as this, the, this, the vehicle to the next guy. So this works for now because of who hurts is. And the, and the clock is, is certainly expiring on the rookie contract, but it's also expiring on the, on the, uh, uh, not on just hurts the money, but also hurts the player. And if you wanted to replace him with another rookie contract guy and try to do this again, I don't think it would go as swimmingly because I don't think you'd get that sort of person. All right, Ben, last thing, we'll let you get back to your Philly roots here. BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton is a friend of the show. Give me the smartest thing that Brandon either told you <laughs> or that he wrote that you said, wow, shoot, I didn't think about that. And give me the dumbest thing that Brandon <laughs> ever said to you and or he wrote you go, what the frig is he talking about? All right, take, I can take, do- take a good BLG shot and give him a big leg up. I can do I can do the dumbest thing first immediately. <laughs> uh, that, that one's easy. No, I was at I was at 2018 camp. Uh so it was, yeah, it was the year after they won the Super Bowl. I was entering my senior year of college. So I was like 20. And I, I, I was positive. This is the first thing I ever covered live, covered live. Like first, like, you know, bit, time I've been around players and I was positive. I knew like everything. And <laughs> uh, I, I, I told BLG that the Eagles undrafted free agent uh, safety, Jeremy Reeves out of South Alabama. Was Jeremy Reed. Player. Yeah. I liked yeah. him a lot. Jeremy Reeves and BLG told me I was wrong. And BLG told me that Reeves is not a good player and wouldn't stick. And he didn't stick with the Eagles, but he is now currently a, uh, package player you know uh, like nickel dime player for the washington football team or washington commanders now my bad yes uh and so suck it blg i knew Jerry <laughs> <laughs> so that's number one uh blg the best thing that blg ever taught me is blg is, is not much of a of a teacher i'm a big like let's talk about theory stuff and whatever guy let's talk about this that and everything and blg is not much of a talker um blg was a doer and i spent a lot of time around BLG in that, that summer around BLG in press boxes, and then just, you know, uh, digitally online with BLG, like in Slack and working with him, failing to realize the, the amount of things he was doing until I got, I was an associate editor at, B, at, at a BGN before I left. And part of the job was like managing the editor's job when he was gone. And BLG would go on vacation and that would just be the worst week of my life (laughs) because there was such a high volume of things he was producing. And it, and it taught me that in that blogging game, what, what matters is being consistently there on the doorstep, one of the first guys on everything. And if you can do that, the, 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 the BGN community is unbelievable. People will come to trust you. People come to respect you. And then you can write your cool stuff. You can write your big stuff, whatever. I love to write the big stuff, the cool stuff, the fancy stuff. And I still do to this day. I could never do it what BLG does. And very few people could do what BLG does in terms of, of consistently showing up and working with just total diligence and total interest in every little minutia of Philadelphia Eagles. And I will always respect and admire that. And, and I, I, again, I always think back to those weeks where I had to do it. And it was just the worst. Time. So that's the main <laughs> thing I learned from BLG is that consistency. I take that, I take that with me, hopefully everywhere I go. He is writing the big stuff these days for The Ringer, and we appreciated him up and on board. Uh, ben, we'll probably try and get you back before the draft, That that's cool. Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully this time I show up correctly and don't make you guys wait <laughs> a couple of days. That's on me. Now that Thanks, you got the ben. equipment worked out, we know you're good to yeah, go. Yeah, now I got things connected. Either way. All right, appreciate Thanks. y'all, fellas.
That Appreciate is Ben it. Solak here with us on uh, Birds 365 and did a good job describing BLG, as a matter of fact. So yeah. BLG knows what he's talking about. If he knows his bosses, knowing the National Football League is just as easy. All right, come back. McDonald McMullen, we got one last segment. We like to think of it as putting a bow on the show. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. on today's Birds 365, a.k.a. a bow on the show. Um, I incorrectly stated that uh, Clay Harbour was going to be with us today. Shame on me. I got confused. Our two uh, fill back in at the end of the week, guys. Uh, so Clay Harbour scheduled to join us tomorrow, as is game day Ed Kratz. Which of the two of you guys had or have the responsibility for SI for doing a mock this week? Um. Ed already did, I think, a Eagles-only mock. I only do one mock, I said. I only do one mock a year. That is a hard and fast rule for 15 years. Uh, You've been able to hold to, of that, huh? Yeah. 
when I got to that point. Now that's a full first round mock. Um, I only do one every year. Uh, I do a bunch of Eagles only. I'll do one. Maybe, maybe I'll do one by the end of this week. I'll try to push it off. Who cares? <laughs> but I'm, I'm one of those. I'll tell I you who cares. Johnny McDonald cares because I want to know who you think are going to be the. I know people. Pick. I know people like them. I I shouldn't say that, but it is you know, and the trade is perfect example. They're ridiculous. They're, but I mean, yeah, for you know, the intel you get, and you know, are they telling us the truth? <laughs> you know, maybe not. As you point out with Peter King, um, yeah, I mean, this is that time of year where everybody's throwing stuff at the at the window, and you start saying, "Well, the Eagles, well, they're no longer because that's the way I took it. They're no longer going for a quarterback when they made the trade out, and now they're bringing in Matt Corral, and you know, so there's all this sub subterfuge and things of that nature. But yeah, I'll I'll throw another one." I'll make you happy, Jody. I'll throw another. That's what Johnny Mac. It's not me. It's the Eagle fans. Don't lie. It's me too. But Eagle fans want to know who you think who's slotting in, what positions are being drafted in those two positions, and or if you change your mind over the last couple of weeks, or you can go down yeah, the Kemsky saw... Road. You can go the Kemsky Road of oh, I'm just making stuff up. I'm just changing the names from well, week in to week yeah, out. But Jimmy, so as Jimmy... I don't double down on anybody. Jimmy provided the context. He's trying context. He's trying to teach the people about potential uh, players, which I think is valuable. I think that's a valuable part of mock drafts uh, because nobody knows. Nobody knows uh, who the Eagles are are focusing in on on taking. Their draft board is not even done yet. So anybody who and this is where the coaches, you know, Randy brought, I think a lot of people don't realize Randy Mueller talked about that. And I know we got to go. Coaches are the last into the process. Like the coaches can't watch college football all the time. Nick probably right. watches more college football than anybody else. He loves it, but I, they don't have time to evaluate college players during the regular season. So that's the personnel department, the scouts. And then they build up the information. The coaches come in in the final second. You see them at pro days around the country, and they start to chime in. Well, we want this type of player. We want, and you try to mesh everything together. And you know, it's what the Eagles try to do. And the only reason why I'm pimping Kemsky is today. You could just as easily write a column and say, "Here are 30 players that may be available when the Eagles pick in their two slots." No, that's true. And you don't but have people to like it, but do specific slots well, in the draft just say like, these a, are the guys and let me give you some background information on them all rather than is, saying at number is, 15 yeah. the eagles will draft player x there is a business part to it and people click on mock drafts they click on mock drafts they love mock drafts they can't get enough of mock drafts and um you know i just in in the break i was just looking at peter schrager's first mock draft of of the year and, you know, I looked at it and I go, well, this guy's not going to be, he's got Karloftis going at 31. I'm like, all right, all right, hey, all right, good that's, luck with that. That's the beauty of mock drafts. We don't know who's right and wrong until we get the round number one. Uh, partner, I'm good to go tomorrow. How about you? It's a football Friday. You in? I am in, uh, hopefully, day to day. 
day to day, and uh, we'll try it again another day tomorrow after a little baseball opening day, a little Masters golf. Oh, yeah. oh we'll be back all here. Day? Are we going to have opening day? It's supposed to rain all day, isn't it? Well, here, no opening day for the Phillies. Phillies open tomorrow, but uh, other towns with other teams have opening day today. It's yeah, they push back the start of the Masters already. So, uh, they, we may check out some other things today. But by the time we get here in two and two, we'll be back talking Eagles football tomorrow. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.